Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Here's a yogurt. You're nine months old. Figure it out. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Why is the whole world out to get me? With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I don't care about math. You don't need to know math. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. No respect. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we're talking about middle kids. And you are one. I am a lower middle. You speak from experience. I do. I do. I think I, and I have a middle. I have three. Oh, you have three as well. So we I both do. have like full middle kids. I was a lower middle because I was one of four. So, you know, they, there's actually psychologists call middle children middle borns. I discovered this middle as I was borns. researching. Middle borns. That yeah, sounds like, like something from um, Harry Potter. It sounds very, yeah. The lore of the middle born. The lore of the middle borns. And that it's, they call it a classic middle if you're, you know, number two of three, not like. Yeah, we both have classic middles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're from larger families of origin with, with middle borns that have have these supposed characteristics perhaps to more more or less degrees. I'm one of six, my family of origin. And what's interesting about that is... Wait, whenever you mention that you're one of six, we have to take a moment of silence for your mom, Nancy Wilson. All right, let's take a moment of silence. <laughs> okay, you kind of laughed during our moment of silence, but that's Sorry, okay. Mom. She listens Sorry. so faithfully. Sorry, Nancy. No respect. So, I mean, I, I talked to her because she's visiting us this week as I was getting ready to record this episode about middle kids. And she said that really she had two. Like when you have six kids over 19 years, who's the middle, like the the middle guy suddenly became the older kid when a new baby was born. And then the baby, then she became the middle. And she saw that sort of shift and happen in real time. Were there any big gaps in the six? Like were there... Are the six like all two years apart or something? Or no. Are they gaps? No, no. So my brother and I were very close in age. And then my next brother was born when I was six. Right. And then there was a gap of about, well, he got, as he likes to say, he got a baby sister for his fourth birthday and a baby sister for his fifth birthday. So he was like the yes. middle of middles between, you know, like two high school students and two like cute little kindergartners. And then there was a He's total like the cruise. functional middle probably. He was, yeah, yeah. And, but then he became- you know, sort of like the oldest of like the second part of the family. Anyway, we, this they isn't about. All. Guys, we're going to put a diagram up. A yeah. Wilson family. What do they call that? Like uh, a tree? Ancestry.com. Yeah. yeah. Like we're going to put up the whole because I know our listeners are confused and most of them are going to want to hang this tree 
right near where they listen to the podcast so that they can keep track. It's like Game of Thrones. It's, basically. it's like Game of Thrones. And, you know, and, and I feel like middles don't get I mean, the stereotype is and I think it's kind of true that middle kids don't get enough attention. And so I thought oh. well, we've we've talked about birth order before, but I thought these they deserve a deep you, Margaret, as a middle born deserve a deep dive into this topic of what Amy, makes middle kids tick. I've never felt so seen. <laughs> I'm, I'm shedding a, a brief tear. You are seen. It's very true. I will say like that our our middle kid is such a textbook, stereotypical middle kid. And I have said on the podcast before that my husband and I, he is extremely funny. Like whenever he's like, math is hard. I'm like, I don't care about math. You don't need to know math. You're going to be a stand-up comic and mommy's going to be your manager. Like that's all I care about. He's so funny. But it's the funny of I don't get enough attention. So I have to like do this crazy dance so that anyone will ever look at me. Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, occasionally on a Sunday night when our middle kid has been like whirling, dervishing around and literally, literally climbing the walls. Like I have pictures of him climbing up the walls in our house. I will lay down with my husband on a Sunday night and be like, we have to pay more attention to him this week. Like he's just not getting attention. They do. They sort of, we talked about this in the, in our episode about why are siblings such total opposites about kids. They have to diversify from their, from their older siblings and People who study birth order argue that middle kids really have to do that because they're caught between the older sibling who can do more and the younger sibling who needs more, and they have to really sort of tap dance to get our attention. That's viewed as a very negative thing and poor them, but as I did some research, we'll talk about it. Some people say oh, that I'm that so is not a bad research. thing for well, change. It, I, I thought mean, I'd do some research. Oh, just just. Switch it up, Amy. You are a firstborn child. I am so a firstborn. Like, Research. Check the boxes. I can do it. And I am a middle child. So I'm like, I'll wing it. It'll be fine. You're the uh, zag to my zig, which is how, yeah. how it goes. We're just first and middle. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Can we go back to the beginning? Like, Because it was about 100 years ago, it seems. In 1920, there was an Austrian psychiatrist, Alfred Adler. And he was the first one to sort of put on paper that the middle child feels sandwiched between the oldest and the youngest. You're not wrong, Alfred. Yeah. You're dead, but you're not wrong. He said they are robbed of both privilege and significance in the familial <laughs> pecking order. All right, Alfred, relax a little bit, but okay. Who are I you? Mean, robbed of what now? Privilege? Robbed of both privilege and significance. Oh, so true. Right? So true. The invisible man. There's a really good article on the cut about middle children. I'll put the link up on our show notes for this episode on whatfreshhellpodcast.com. It's written by a guy, Adam Sternberg. He is a middle child. And he says that being a middle child is not something you aspire to. It's something that happens to you. <laughs> okay. I'm really feeling depressed. If all of your studies are this depressing, can we just skip the rest of this episode? I think we're going to, we should start with the- I'm like about to start singing Mr. Cellophane. Exactly. No one sees me. I'm just invisible. We're going to start with this stereotype, which is largely like not positive and then move towards we're the good. We're going to work our way out of the dark. We're going to move from bad news to good news. Yes. All right. Yes. Because it's so far that I'm just feeling like I'm getting hammered here. There's a, there's a, Adam Sternberg calls it ambient neglect that, that <laughs> middleborns <laughs> grow up under. And it's not just middleborns, right? Sometimes it's the, it's, it's a, it's the large family thing. I always call these kids wolf kids, the kids who are like, they just can fend Feral. for themselves in the wild. Yeah. Feral. They can. Yeah. yeah. Correct. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, well, it's not necessarily a bad thing for those kids. It's not a bad thing. I mean, my sister-in-law talks about her third, that like the first baby, that's right. You're like spoon feeding them literally and figuratively everything. And then the third baby, you're like, here's a yogurt. You're nine months old. Figure it out. Like they have to be much more resourceful. Yeah. Little kids have to figure it out for themselves. And I think that's true. And then so there's the stereotype that the middle kids are very resentful about that, that they're, they feel they feel sorry for themselves. They're Jan, Jan, Jan. They're, They're ignored. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That's right. I didn't right. Even, poor Jan. I didn't even remember her tagline. <laughs> yeah. It's Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah. Middle kids. Uh, by the way, Amy, I think that deserves an oldie locks alert. Back in my day. I hate to say it, but Brady Bunch is now an oldie locks alert. The Brady Bunch movie is now an oldie locks alert. I mean, yeah, that's right. Scary. Like the redo of the Brady Bunch. The is redo now is an oldie locks. But yeah, they, Jan Brady is a perfect example of like, why is the whole world out to get me? Why do I always have the short end of the stick? Like, why do I get all the bad and none of the good? And I will say with your Alfred guy and stuff, like some of this goes to like oldie time, really oldie timey, like uh, property laws and like the heir and the spare kind of stuff. Like literally the, the firstborn got all the money and the titles. I mean, it was like a thing, you know? And then the middle child was just like, there's no point for you to exist unless the elder person dies. There's a book called The Secret Power of Middle Children by Dr. Catherine Salmon. And we're going to talk about that. I'm putting it on my Amazon wish list. You have secret powers. For me, please. We'll get to that because she talks about the good stuff. But this is an interesting thing, like you were saying about the historical thing about firstborns. We've all heard the statistic, or at least I have, like that most presidents are firstborn, most American presidents. Right. Like 89% of them or something, almost all. She says it was more like 40%. But anyway, the, the, we've all heard the preponderance are firstborn. She says that's not exactly true. If you go back and look at them, they were firstborn males. Like the girls didn't count. They were firstborn well, males yeah. and actually middle children. So she argues if you if you go by the actual order of birth, that it's like 60% middle children for U.S. presidents. Right. Like going back to Alfred's quote about like you don't have the privilege or the attention. Like that's middle boys and all women, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So but 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 now, I mean, our kids, whether you're firstborn middle, I mean, the, the expectations for what our kids are going to do has changed, but I think some of this stuff is still true for for middle kids. Like, Yeah, I think the gender role has come out a little bit more, and now it's just like where you actually fall in the pecking order. Can I ask, you and I have talked on the show before about our, each of us having a love measurer. I have like a yes. present counter, love measurer, fairness advisor, right? Really, Really just watching the line at all times. Is that your middle child? I don't see a huge amount of love measure in him, but he is in a very hilarious way, a hoarder. <laughs> like he, especially when he was a kid, when the new baby, I think came along, like when he officially became a middle child, he started this thing where he would take all the toys from the house and put them in his bed. And like, he wouldn't sleep unless every toy from the house was in his bed. And then at some point he, at his grandma's house, he found these like Folgers crystals, cans, like giant plastic tubs that would hold coffee but they were empty and his grandma had a million like tiny little toys and he would load all the toys into the coffee cans and then put them on like a serving tray like she had a serving tray like he would serve tea on and he would carry them on the serving tray everywhere he went oh. like he he had this crazy 
need to like hold on to his stuff. Like a containment system of this. These are mine and you shall not pass. I get it. Yeah. Like I'm going to hold all of my things really closely. And like he, he had the upper bunk. And so I just basically ignored it. Like everything from the house was up in the upper bunk. And one time I went to clean it out. Cause I mean, it was crazy. Like I, I left him alone. Cause I was like, it's your thing, whatever. But he, he would find little nooks. Like he would burrow in like a squirrel in the winter to like go to sleep, but it was piles of stuff. Aww. And I went to clean it out at some point. Cause it had gotten just out of control. And I was like, it's going to get moldy in there. Whatever's in his little hobbit house up there. And one of the things that was there was like one of those political yard signs, <laughs> like a state. It was like, Joe Smith for state senator. Like I don't, he had taken it off of someone's yard and it was up in his, in his pile of stuff. I don't know I if mean, that's a middle child thing, but it's a thing. It's like a squirrel just taking stuff. It's my, I think it is a middle order. child thing. Cause it's like, I'm going to, everything I see that I like, I'm going to take and keep very near to me. So no one else can take it. Right. 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 Well, my, my middle child is definitely like the line coach obsessed with fairness that was out. That was in, that was, that was a little more for this person, a little less for that person. He, he does watch that. And I, I, so I think that part of the stereotype can hold true. Yeah. I guess my guy is, is sort of like, he does say a lot like, oh, you're spending more time with her. You always read, but it's also true. Like I have my older son, we've been reading together every night, like reading a different novel. And so we're always reading together. And then my youngest sometimes reads with her dad and my middle guy, it's like, he's kind of independent, but then he said to us the other day, like, you never read with me. And it's like, you're right. For three months, I've been reading a novel every single night with your brother and your dad's been reading with your sister, but like, you just seem independent. So we let you do it by yourself. Right. He's basically not that independent. He's just ignored. I mean, he'll probably grow up to be more independent and that's a good thing. But in the moment, Maybe they are being kind of misunderstood and, and ignored. And like, I think some of this is true. Can I read you a study, which I think is fascinating? As we, I know you want to. As we end the, talking about the negative parts. So there was a study. Yes. City College of New York asked participants in the study to choose which words they associated with, you know, first, middle, and youngest children. This is going to be bad, Amy. I know this is going to be bad. Well, the, you know, significantly, the word spoiled was used by nobody in the study to apply to middle children. That's not right. a... That's the first Right. Child. We do not have a view of, of a middle as being spoiled, but we do have a view of them as being overlooked, confused. These are words, you know, like... The words that we would use that are positive for middle kids, like funny, you know, you might use those for all three, but <laughs> funny. but no. but the sort of negative words were applied more often to middle kids. And so there is a sort of there is this perception that middle kids are the have a middle kid syndrome, right? That they have it, they have the short end of, of things. Right. And okay. that may or may not be actually true. Like they 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 you can argue that just like, okay, I'm I'm a Virgo and Virgos are perfectionists, so I'm gonna start acting really perfectionist because I'm a Virgo, that we, that, that middle children, if we expect them to be fairness obsessed and, and lacking in confidence, then that's what we'll create in those kids. So we have to be careful of the stereotype. Be careful of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. All right. We've said a lot of terrible things about middle children and I'm starting to get very resentful. I have a whole bunch of stuff that things about middle kids that are true that you probably haven't heard and aren't part of the stereotype. How do you feel about that? We're coming back. We're coming back with positives, guys. Watch this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, we're back and I want to hear something good about middle children. Okay, so even 100 years ago, the guy, Dr. Adler, who sort of put a name to the middle child syndrome, he suggested even 100 years ago that because middleborns aren't the recipients of excessive expectation, like a first kid would be, or excessive attention, like a last born might be, he said that middleborns are uniquely poised to succeed. Huh. Because we, this whole middle middle child syndrome is sort of predicated on the idea that not getting enough attention from your parents is a terrible thing or even a negative thing. Oh, I agree with that. And there are some psychologists who would argue, I mean, we're not talking about neglect, but we're talking about this sort of, you know, benign neglect, ambient neglect that, that Adam Sternberg called it, that that actually can be a positive thing for your kid to grow up with. For sure. And I want to just step back a little bit from this conversation and just take a moment to say that all of this stuff is a little tweet tweet. All of this stuff is a little bit like we're putting a very fine point on something that is not universal and you could get through your entire life without knowing any of these things. We're just at the point of the conversation where we're like, hey, is there any insight to be gained from birth order? We've talked about it before and we think there is, but none of these things are hard and fast and destiny, you know? The last time we talked about birth order, we spent a lot of time talking about, this is way back in episode six. Oh my gosh, we talked guys, about birth order. beginning. Yeah, way back when. And I and I looked at our notes from that and we actually had stuff that we went through to talk about, like, okay, how to help your middle child. Like make sure there's pictures of your middle kid around the house and not just the first Oops. kid back when you had I still haven't done energy that. So for the, since yeah. episode six. When we did talk about sort of like, oh, here's how to give the middle kid a little bit more attention. But I thought this was interesting looking into this, that there are some ways that middle kids really benefit from the focus 
not being on them in the house 100% of the time. My mom was a therapist and she talked a lot and studied a lot about birth order. And there's a lot of interesting stuff about it, but it's also one of those things that like, it is what it is. So trying to fix, none of this is an implication that you should try to fix your middle child being the middle child and change your entire outlook so that this changes. It's about like, huh, are there ways to like zhuzh this a little bit and, and switch it up a little bit and play against some of the deep grooves of this. It's not about you have to stop doing these things because it damages middle children. Not at all. But some of it's really about stop, stop viewing being the middle kid as, as unrelentlessly negative because it's not. I mean, I am a classic middle kid, just like my kid is a middle kid. And I like all my middle kidness, my tap dancey, desperate need for attention by trying to be funny. Hey, it got me a podcast. What can I say? Worked out well for me. So middle kids are more likely to innovate and create than firstborns or lastborns. Right. I mean, I, I think the firstborn thing of like, you know, we always joke about it in our family. My oldest brother is a lawyer, got married at 23, went to an Ivy League school, had four kids right away, bought a house. And his three younger siblings were like, hey, thanks, man. Like, way to take the pressure off. Like, he did everything that is expected of a functional child by the time he was 25. And it really was, it did afford some breathing room for me when I was driving around the country in a van putting on comedy shows until I was 30. Right, right. You don't have, you didn't have the burden of expectations of the primogeniture, like first firstborn male. So you were free to drive around in a van and, and make up a job for yourself. Yeah, I, I loved that. And it's good. And we, heaven knows, we need innovative, creative people. So so middle children have are more likely to be like that and are more likely to be like that for the rest of their lives. I mean, I'm not like sure we need more people driving around in vans and putting on comedy shows. I'm not sure. That's, <laughs> we need a few. We that's a, a few bustling part of the American economy. But I did my part. Okay, so, they, so middle children are also more independent and more capable. This is what I was alluding to before. Lindsay Dodgson wrote an article for Business Insider, and she pointed out that this is a really good point. This whole theory that middle kids are starved for attention is based on the idea that a lack of attention is a bad thing. A lot of people don't like being the center of attention, and they actually thrive when they're left alone. And I was like, oh, this is my middle kid. Like, he he does not seek the spotlight. He does not enjoy the spotlight. He does not like being the center of attention. He likes being He likes being in the flow. I mean, he's a people person, but he doesn't want the spotlight on him. My middle is exactly the opposite. So (laughs) it manifests in different ways is all I'm saying. Like my older guy doesn't like the spotlight, does not like being the center of attention. And my middle guy is like the WB frog. He's like, hello, my baby. Like he's so funny. And he has the thing a little bit of like, I have to calm him down when we have people over because he's like the kid who like you're trying to have a dinner and he's like walking by upside down doing like the best mates dance and like dressed <laughs> as Spider-Man. Like he's he's a he's an attention craver. He's independent. He sounds like he's a free thinker. He's definitely a free thinker, but he's a little bit. I mean, that goes back to the thing of like we have to remember to pay attention to him because you don't want him seeking negative attention or seeking attention in a way that my sister would describe as the flaming volcano of need. That's never like a great way to seek attention. Right. That's true. I think what we're hitting on is, is yes, middle kids get less attention. And for some of them, it turns them into creative, winsome performers. And some of them are very happy 
to be over here, not being overly tended to at every moment. Yeah, that is really, I remember a friend of mine in college was talking about getting married and she's like, I, I want to get married, but she's like, I just cannot imagine wanting to go through that thing where like, I'm in a special dress and everyone's looking at me and it's like, I have to be the center of attention all day. And I was like, oh, I want to get married 45 times because of that. Like, that's my <laughs> best day. It's funny how people have such opposite feelings about being the center of attention. Let me see what you think about this. Lay it on me. Middle kids are said to be more open-minded and willing to try new things than their older or younger siblings. I'll take it. I can't, it, it, that's hard to, I feel like that's hard to argue with. It's also hard to pin down. It's hard to quantify at their ages too, because it's like, they do a lot of stuff because you tell them to. Yeah, if I was being completely honest, we call our middle guy doctor no, because whatever we suggest, he says no to. <laughs> so I can't really put him in that. Okay, category. all right. So yeah, I, I'm not so sure about this one either, but that was, I thought I'd mention it. Maybe in the long term though, that might be a long term. Yeah, thing. that's true. That's true. We're not, we're not solving, we're not just solving for how they are when they're eight, but how they are when they're 30. Right, my, exactly. My middle guy is eight. So it's like, well, maybe someday, but not right now. He's, he has the opportunity to find his own path. He hasn't, he's not even on the path yet. He's in, he's right. in what, third grade. So, okay. Right. It is also said that middle kids are really good negotiators. That makes sense to me. Do you feel like you're a good negotiator as a grown-up middle child? I am a person who I think often willingly puts myself in the middle of conflict and tries to get people to see each other's sides. Like that's a very natural instinct of mine is like I can fix this between you two. <laughs> so I feel like that's an older child. See, this we, we, just goes to show these things aren't so fixed right because I have that I have that instinct but I see that as like bossy older child not right no I definitely see myself as like a mediator like I let me let me mediate this dispute I liked Dr. Salmon said that middleborns are like type O blood because they go with everybody yep they like they get along with everybody I would say that about you, you you're very you're exceedingly easy to get along with and well, you thank can you, Amy. I I've seen Margaret in action this will surprise nobody listening but I took like a taxi with you in last summer and you had like the guy's life story by the time we got to the airport like <laughs> that's true you can talk a dog off a meat wagon as Dr. <laughs> Phil used to say I like that and dog that's a good a that's, wagon. that's that good. is a really good trait it's a trait I don't have and I think that might be like your your middle child coming that's out that's definitely like you, a middle child thing yeah I think also though part of the middle child and this I do see with my middle guy the sort of flip side negative is like you take it upon yourself to make sure everybody's happy. Like I find that sometimes with my middle guy and it worries me a little bit that like his older brother's freaking out about something or like I'm upset with the little one because she's moving too slow. And he's like, he either starts doing something funny, like he puts himself emotionally, like he like jumps in front of emotional trains, if that makes sense. Like uh -huh. when there's conflict or like stuff going wrong, he tends to be like, literally I have seen him when there is conflict in our house, like suddenly start dancing around and doing a funny dance. Like he takes it upon himself that he has to be the person to solve conflict. <laughs> That's really interesting. It can be good, but it can be bad. You know, like it's like it's not your job to like keep everybody happy, you know. And I will say, like, I think we have a fairly low conflict house, so it doesn't come up that much. And I don't think it's that damaging, but for people I know who grew up in like high conflict houses, and this I think is in, worth noting, growing up in a low conflict house, 
the roles sometimes are less defined. If you grow, grow up in a high conflict house, people I know who have either had like a tragedy in the house or had a parent who was an alcoholic or struggled or there was an abusive person in the house, their family roles tend to get much more defined and calcified. Mm, that's interesting. Because their family roles, it's so important to play the right role because you're constantly trying to keep things on balance and keep things safe. That's interesting, right? They're sort they're sort of hardened by conflict and correct. And in place. That's it. They're like they're they're formed in the kiln of conflict, and they're like very hardened. Yeah. Are you ready for another middle child trait potentially? Lay it on me. Middle children are said to be less parent oriented than they are sibling oriented and friend oriented. So there was a study. They asked four hundred undergraduates about their family relationships, and they were asked like if you were going through a certain type of problem. Who would you turn to for help, your parents or your siblings? And the firstborns and the lastborns said they would turn to their parents first, and the middleborns said they would turn to their siblings first. Huh. I find that interesting. Isn't that interesting? Because, so this study, it's one study, but it suggests sure. like they didn't get as much attention from the parents. They had to make their own way, and they sort of, yeah, I think they're used to relating to each person, right? And so they're less invested in that parent-child thing, and- they're very invested in their friends and their siblings. As they get older, they tend to be more, you know, more peer invested. Hmm. I can see it. I can dig it. But that makes them also more susceptible to peer pressure. Yes. And I think maybe. that that's a double thing. It's the thing of like maybe not feeling as much the center of attention and like looking elsewhere for needs is that's interesting. It goes together. It kind of goes together. So the middle children do show a willingness to try things like drugs because their peers are pressuring them, but it might also be because middle children like risk more than first or last borns. Interesting. Another study, they, they were asking, they asked like different people about how they would play the lottery, you know, and how they would, what are the odds of this and what are the odds of that? And they found that middle borns will choose more risky alternatives in life. It doesn't really matter what type of risk. They like risk more. And and my my middle child is definitely like the one who likes to ski the fastest and to, you know, whatever, the the biggest roller coaster. He's he's sort of an adventure seeker in that way, like a daredevil. And I hadn't really thought of that as being a, a middle child thing, but they're suggesting that, yeah, they, they have an appetite for risk that the other ones don't. I have a really strong take on this, Amy, and I'm going to tell you about it right after this. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. 
Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how All of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes, life stucks. I always grew up being the joke teller in my family. And now that I have a middle child of my own, he is the joke teller in our family. So I thought today it would be fun to host middle child joke hour for our break. So enjoy these couple of zingers from my middle child. If there's a fly with no wings, would it still be called a fly or would it be called a walk? That's a pretty good one. Do you have any other ones you want to lay on us, funny middle child? What do you get when you cross a hot dog with a dancer? What? A ballerina. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting dynamite. Interrupting dynamite. I get it. <laughs> there are two people being chased by a bear, and then one person said, you can't outrun a bear. And then the other person said, I don't need to outrun the bear. I need to outrun you. (laughs) Good one. Solid. Okay. And now let's finish high with a your mama joke. Your mama is so ugly. Burglars break into her house to close her curtains. (laughs) I thought it was funny. All right. Out you go. Thank you. Amy, we talked about this when we were talking about birth order. And I think for me, this was so true for me, being the like risk taker, being the whatever, nonconformist in my family. And we talked about it. And we haven't like given name to it in this episode as much, which is you said it earlier, but I think it's a really interesting thing to highlight. Defining yourself in opposition to your other siblings. Yeah. So my brother, as discussed, was like, I mean, if you looked up first child in the dictionary, like his picture is there, like straight A student, like Joe accomplishment bot, like, I mean, super bright and, you know, a great person, but like very by the book and checked every single box. And my sister, who was the oldest girl, similarly was like very, very good student, kind of like another very by the book, like accomplished person. And then I think I just really had it strongly of like, I'm not, there's no more room 
in that spot in the family. So I'm going to be the wacky family member, you know, and I didn't get as good grades. And I mean, it's kind of become a joke in my family now that like, I was like the black sheep of my family. And I got like B grades and went to an Ivy league school. Like it's, it's kind of ridiculous that I was the black sheep, but like, I definitely did like, Oh my God, try a cigarette in high school. You know, like I was a wild woman, but it, it compared to my brother and sister, like the fact that I had a red streak in my hair was like Armageddon, you know? So what you're saying, which is interesting, I hadn't really thought of it this way, that yes, I, I totally agree that the the second sibling will often define themselves like in, in opposite directions of the first. And the first, because of parental attention and expectations, is probably not going to be the biggest risk taker. They're going to play it safe because their parents didn't let them trip and fall on the playground and eat sand and do the things that the second kid did. Right. So by definition, the first kid is probably not going to be a risk taker, which means by definition, if you're going to zigzag and go in another direction, that's the direction to go in. Right. And it's not so conscious. And no, no, it's not conscious at all. It does become like a, the story. I mean, I also went to the same schools as my siblings and like every, every school was like, Oh, you're their sister. Like, and then I do feel like there was a lot of comparison all the time. Like, Oh, you know, uh, you're not as good a reader or whatever it was. I mean, it wasn't that on the notes, you know what I mean? But that's an area I do think like leaning out makes some sense. And I do find myself saying to my kids a lot, because I think I'm sensitive to this subject, like people are good at different things. Yeah. Kids this age, especially my kids are elementary school and they have two cousins and they get together and it's a lot of like, oh my gosh, like I throw a ball better than you. And I, and I'm always like, yep, people are really good at different things. I have a kid who struggles academically in a lot of areas, but can tell you what date something happened on two years ago. Like, he'll be like, oh, that was Tuesday, the 11th or whatever. And then we go back and look at the calendar and there it is. You know, like kids are different. Kids' brains work in different ways and they're good at different things. And trying not to make it like you're the smart one and you're not the smart one. Or like you're the smart one and you're the funny one. Like lean out from those kind of definitions because very quickly they become self-fulfilling. Absolutely. Right. Right. Exactly. As as would be assuming that being your middle kid is feeling sorry for herself or has less confidence, assuming that out of the gate when you can also look at it as my my middle kid is going to be more resilient, more of a peacemaker, more creative, more independent. These are all these are all good things. But do you want to hear something kind of sad about middle children? Yes, but I want to say one more thing about go that ahead. first. Okay, go ahead. I think we tend to be like, don't let other people define your kids. It is going to happen. I grew up and it was like my brother John, smart John, and I was crazy Meg. Like you don't walk around to people and say like, don't say that in front of my kids because we're not defining them. You're not going to be able to control labels getting put on your kids. It happens in school. It happens in families. All you're going to do is try to lean out from it and, and stress other definitions in your house. Makes sense. Don't make it your job to run around and tell other people not to 
define oh, your no. kids. Oh, no, 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 no. But don't, but you can, it's it's checking yourself. Like for me, thinking about my middle kid, it's like, okay, I'm going to lean in to everything that's positive about being a middle kid that I've considered now instead of, oh, the poor one who doesn't get enough attention. I'm going to look at all these positive things and I'm going to see those first when I look at my middle kid instead of, oh, geez, am I letting this kid down somehow? Yes, because that, exactly. that, it's going to affect things. This is fascinating, I think. Middle children- there's fewer and fewer of them. Yes, that makes sense. Because in the 70s, the typical family unit was four kids or more. 40% of mothers had four or more children by the time they were done having kids. Yeah. Today- A lot of children, ladies. Yeah. Today, two-thirds of mothers have one or two children. Yeah. When I lived in LA, I had three kids in four years and I would go (laughs) to the playground and people are like, I was the only person with three kids. It's just so funny. Like it's the world has changed, you know, it's changed. And so like literally this, this demographic is getting really narrow. This, that the, the middle child is disappearing. And with that, it's interesting with that. If, are we going to lose the people who are the most innovative, the most creative, the most resilient, the most laid back, the most funny, you know, these are, these are all really, really good things. You're going to miss us. You said mean things about us, but you're going to miss us when we're exactly. gone. We're going to miss Jan Brady when she's gone. And Lisa, yes. like Lisa Simpson, Lisa Simpson oh. to me is like the perfect example of, of a middle child. I refuse to call the Simpsons an oldie locks alert, although it might be. Well, it's still on, but yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody knows Lisa it's Simpson. It's borderline. It's borderline. She's Lisa Simpson would be like like 38 years old, I think, if she was a, a you know, a person <laughs> instead of a cartoon character. But, you know, here when I look at these positive things we've talked about the middle kids have, I'm like, "Oh, that's that's Lisa Simpson." Like, yes, she is exasperated at her at her older brother a lot of the time, but that's not the most interesting thing about her or the most, you know, salient feature about her. It's her it's her, you know, drive to connect and innovate and like you know we, we all need more lisa simpsons play in the, the world. saxophone she plays the saxophone that's right she's she zigs and zags but the irony is that the so all these good things about middle kids come from parents paying less attention not more attention it's interesting Isn't i mean interesting? i definitely have given people the advice although it's not really good advice it's never good to advise people to have another child as a solution to anything but Sometimes I see people who are so anxious around their kids and I'm like, I think you should have another kid. Like you will not have the bandwidth to completely smother that child for the rest of their life if you have more, you know, like, (laughs) and I think it is kind of like a lost art. The thing of like, my grandmother was one of 13. Like there's only so much you can worry about 13 children, you know? Right. That's a lot of middleborns. That's a lot of, that's 11 middleborns right there. Like, yeah, you can't possibly worry about 13 kids in the same way. And I do think the like, I mean, you know that the cause of my life is like, let's all pay less attention to our kids. I think, I mean, it's funny hosting a podcast that is about thinking more about children, but like, I I mean, my takeaway is always like less, less, less attention is better. And I don't know. Maybe you just play less attention to the first and the second. Right. If we could parent all our kids like we do the middles, then maybe we'd be better off. Can I leave you with an Adam Sternberg, himself a middle child quote? I thought this was really good. Oh, he I says, hope it is. I want to end on a positive note. This is, oh, this is, this is highly abused by this episode. This is very positive. He's, he's advocating for the middle born, you know, should not disappear from the face of the earth. He says, if the middle child has to work harder to find a way to shine, then we all benefit from those efforts. 
If the middle child is more likely to take risks, those risks might reward us all. Thanks, middle children. Love it. (laughs) So true. Right? Listen, you wouldn't be listening to these jokey jokes on this podcast if I wasn't a needy, needy middle child. We love middle children. But it's true. Like, I look at my middle guy and I'm like, nothing wrong with that. Like, I love his funny dances. I love him, like, walking by doing the best mates in a Spider-Man outfit. Like, I just think he's so funny. I love that kid. He just makes me laugh. It's definitely what I'm taking away from the research that I've done for this episode and our and our discussion today is just to stop worrying about the middle child and start looking at the ways that he really shines. And look forward to our icy and desolate future with no middle children where <laughs> right. we never laugh beware, again. Beware, beware. It's going to be so sad. That's what they should make one of those like uh, post-apocalyptic movies about the land of no middle children. Right. And everyone just cries all day. Okay, so we want to know about your middle children and why you think they're awesome. And there's so many ways you can tell us. You can go to our Facebook page and group, which are, well, the Facebook page is What Fresh Hell Cast. And the Facebook group, you can find that on the Facebook page, right? Yeah, yeah. Just go to our Facebook page and then come join the group. Because I have to say, the Facebook group is, the Facebook page, we talk to you, but the Facebook group, everybody can talk to each other. And it's so great. It's been really fun. We just started it like a couple weeks ago and it's great to see what's happening there. People are like helping each other out, giving each other suggestions. It's fabulous. It's really, it's really fun. Yeah. And we're also on Instagram at What Fresh Hell Cast. We have some good conversations on there too. And, and of course, we're on Twitter. We're on Twitter. WFH Podcast. And I'm going to put up the links to the studies about middle kids and the book that I mentioned will all be up on our website, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Guys, come find us wherever we are and do me a favor. Hug a middle child today. Find a middle child and give them some love. Just walk around and ask everybody, are you a middleborn? It won't be weird. I know it sounds weird, but it won't be weird. Especially if you're in a big metropolitan area, just ask everyone you meet, are you a middle child? And if they say yes, just hug them. If you can say, are you a classic middle? And if they say yes, hug them twice. And if you get arrested, please don't call us. It's not our <laughs> fault. Okay, I think that's it. I think that's really good advice. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.